Welcome to the Lost Luggage Podcast, our weekly show that shares hilarious stories of travel mistakes and mishaps. Then we give you advice on how to avoid the same certain fate. From crashing into a river in Russia to losing your passport in Iraq, you will not believe some of the situations we've been in. So what exactly qualifies us to a podcast about travel, adventure and misfortune? Well, between us three, we have been to over 150 countries and in most, something has gone hilariously wrong. We like to think we make mistakes so you guys don't have to. So tune in every week and listen to the Lost Luggage Podcast. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Lost Luggage Podcast. As you heard in the intro, we shall be sharing our stories of misadventure, looking at the infamous tales from around the world, as well as anecdotes that you guys have also sent in. Joining me this week on the episode about people is a man more Mancunian than Liam Gallagher fighting a packet of pork scratchings, Mr. Teddy Simpson. Hello. And also, man, if you put the words Surrey, middle and class into a machine, it would create Mr. William Peachy. That's me. And to the main man who has more trick shots than Cristiano Ronaldo on a Saturday afternoon at Old Trafford, it is Ollie Jenks. How are we doing, everyone? Um, so let's address the elephant in the room, and that will be that we're not in the same room. Because of the coronavirus, we've had to uh, distribute our talents around around, around <laughs> England. Uh, I'm in Devon. Teddy, well, let's have a guess where Teddy actually is. Where, where, where are where you? Where could he be? I'm in, I'm in city in the world i'm in manchester oh, great fantastic <laughs> yeah, could have, could have that. and william of course uh, as as we mentioned in the, in the intro you you are i'm assuming you're in surrey surrey london border pretty much specifically your bathroom i understand i was in my bathroom <laughs> i'm no longer in that said bathroom <laughs> so we apologize if it does sound a bit tinny if it does sound a bit echoey and a bit uh, off kilter because but normally we would be in a studio but unfortunately we've had to do with uh, spare bedrooms bathrooms and toilets from now on so uh stay tuned and we're going to get into part one where we're going to be discussing a story from the past And welcome back to the Lost Luggage Podcast. You join us for part one. And every week, we will always tell a tale from the archives. It'll either be myself, Teddy, or William. And we've got a magic wheel that will spin around and land on a name, which I believe William has got. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will be one of us who will be telling their story. So who's, who's it going to be this week, Mr. William? Well, let's leave out to the Wheel of Fortune. Um, can I get a drum roll from you two? Um, okay. <laughs> that, wasn't a, that wasn't a drum. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, spin it, spin it. Pop budget stuff, and it is you, Ollie, young man. Okay, fantastic. Okay, well, just so happens, I've organised a story for you, um, and it is somewhat infamous. It's been mentioned on national radio, um, and it's a story of when I was uh, detained, arrested uh, for two weeks in Vietnam. Uh, long story short, I was in. It's the first time I ever went to Vietnam. Obviously, subsequently, I lived there for a couple of years. Uh, recently, um, I was trekking in the north on the border with China and uh, got caught in a monsoon. Uh, so it was absolutely shitting it down. And everything I owned just got soaked. And for some reason, I decided to take my passport and my dollars with me and my dong. Um, and safe to say, everything got drenched. Uh, dong got really, really wet. Um, dollars got destroyed. Um, but my passport, kind of, the 
the the uh, the page which has your picture on it for some reason it just wiped my face off just like the features like the mouth nose and eyes but left like the hairline and everything else and I didn't really think much of it I thought well I reckon the electronic chip's still going to work so fast forward six weeks later uh, when we're in Ho Chi Minh at the opposite side of the country getting bored my plane home and uh, yeah get out the passport. At this point, I've decided to draw a smiley face on it because I thought it'd be quite funny. Um, and it's uh, safe to say it was funny. They did certainly laugh at it at uh, border control. Um, so we went to the checking desk with uh, Qatar Airways and the lady looked at it. She laughed. She took a selfie with me, took a selfie with the passport and then um, proceeded to scan it. Now, you know, I don't know if you used to watch Family Fortunes. Yeah, yeah. I have seen Family no, Fortunes. But, uh, but you know you know when it goes, eh, eh, like when you go to yeah. <laughs> That's the, I, I shit you not, that was the exact sound it made <laughs> when she scanned the electronic tip through, which went, eh, eh, like that. And then she kind of looked at me, and she tried it again, bless her, and we both kind of knew that oh, I was going to be fucked. Um, and then before you knew it, she called a load of other security and called a load of, load of other people from the Qatar Airways team over. And they, again, they all absolutely loved it, taking <laughs> selfies with me, taking taking a picture of the passport, um, just absolutely loving it, but gave me no help whatsoever. Now, the issue wasn't necessarily the passport. The issue is that my visa ran out the next day. Um, so the people I was with back home. So what, what it meant I had to do was somehow get to the embassy back in Ho Chi Minh, um, show them what I had stupidly done and also showing them that my visa had run out, in which light they decided to detain me and uh, where I was held under house arrest for two weeks. Can I just say as well for anybody that's listening, the picture that Ollie drew was just incredible. And the, the only thing that I can describe it to is if you've seen Mr. B in the movie, <laughs> where, he, where he scrubs the face off the whistler's mother, and then you can kind of see there's a face behind it, and then he draws another face on that sort of trying to make him look like himself. And that is the image that was uh, displayed. So hopefully, Ollie, you're going to put this picture anywhere so that people can can have a yeah. I'll put it. I'll put it on uh, the on the run adventures Instagram, and Fantastic. I'll put it on my own Instagram again as well. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, it was a very poor picture to be honest. But it was, it was, it was like I don't know. It was so stupid, and I was detained for two weeks. The World Cup was on, so it must have been 2014. It was when um, Brazil actually trashed by Germany. I remember watching that, but I wasn't allowed to leave the hotel. I had to report to the police station every day, um, and I ran out of money. I didn't know how much money I'd left because I couldn't. My bank card wouldn't work in any of the machines, so I was living on a pittance. In fact. I remember I got really bad food poisoning as well because I had to. Um, I made for some reason I do this weird thing of making friends with people you just shouldn't make friends with, including including you two. Um, <laughs> Cheers, mate. And uh, I made friends with this Vietnamese dude who looked a bit like Liam Gallagher, and he owned a restaurant. So I used to just hop. I used to hop his restaurant every every morning, and uh, basically he fed me some. Um, what do you call it? Smoked crocodile, and it just gave me the most audacious food poisoning, and oh, I was I was 
bedridden for the entire time I was stuck. It was awful. <laughs> Can I just say, at any point when you was just your passport in hand, you're going up to the checkout, and you knew that this this um, passport had a smiley face instead of your picture. Did at any point you think <laughs> she's going to look at that and go, "That doesn't look like me"? Did that never cross <laughs> your mind at any point? Or? Well, to be fair, because I'm quite—I know it's going to sound stupid saying I'm an organised traveller, but I am, despite drawing on my own passport, because I had like photocopies in my rucksack, driver's license as if an English driver's license was going to help me get on the plane. <laughs> but I still, like, I showed them, and I was like, this is what my pass... <laughs> really, it was, I was playing a street... In her, I would love to be in her mind, because she would have just seen me hand her a passport with a face on it that she probably thought, that must be fake. <laughs> and then she would have seen me get out a piece of paper with a scanned image of my passport on... <laughs> <laughs> here's the real one. Here's the real one. But that, that's me. That's me out of paper too. That's even more fake. <laughs> oh god! I'd have loved to have been that person receiving that passport. I'd have just loved to have looked at you, and then to the have looked is, at the drawing face of you and been like, "That doesn't look like you." But what I like, what I like to think is that in an alternative reality somewhere, she's on a podcast in Vietnam about working at an airport and she's telling telling the time of when a stupid white Englishman (laughs) gave her a passport with a face on it in blue biro. Fantastic. That's um, just, yeah, I just couldn't imagine receiving it. I mean, I've seen it. So it's even funny when you've, when you've seen the photo and you, you know what's being passed to this woman. I just can't believe you still went ahead with it. Just instead of asking, I mean, do you not think beforehand I'll go to the embassy or, or seek help beforehand? I love the fact you've just looked at this passport. <laughs> and it's gone. Like, hey, I, that'll be fine, that. Blind confidence. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it would, I tell you what, it would have been funnier if I'd got on the first flight and the halfway point was in Qatar, in Doha. If I got to Qatar and then got stopped there. But um, I don't, to be honest, because I was with a bunch of people who were travelling as well, if I had fucked off to the embassy halfway through the trip, it would have fucked their trip up. So I was kind of like, I felt a bit guilty, I guess. Um, it's a weird one. It's it's one of the it's probably one of the biggest fuck ups I've ever made in my life. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember uh, airline that show that was on about ten fifteen years oh, ago? The, yeah, one on ITV. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could have been on uh, the Vietnamese airline, hundred <laughs> percent. I would have loved to have seen that. Mate, they probably they probably were trying to get the cameras rolling like before yeah, I, I, I was pretty out of it. As soon as like it was a hardcore no, I just wanted to get out of there, so I just ran towards the taxi. Oh, that was the other thing I just remembered. So on the way to the airport, me and my mate got a taxi to the airport, and um, <laughs> we got a taxi, which was quite expensive. But then because we didn't, we obviously didn't have any need for our Vietnamese money. So we gave the taxi driver a massive fucking tip. We gave him like 300,000 dong, which I think was like maybe 10 pounds. We're like, oh, keep this, mate. Um, But little did we know that I, well, maybe I should have known that I was not never getting on that fucking plane. So when I left the airport, that taxi driver was there again and uh, just looking at me like, what the fuck? (laughs) So I was was really annoyed because I didn't have any dong left. So I gave the last of my dong as a tip to a taxi driver in a, in a gesture of goodwill, and it bit me in the face. Not for the first time. 
Well, yeah, we'll get on to that another day. And anyway, the, the the process oh. from when you got to the house arrest, uh, what what happened from there? Like, you must have was you at any point a bit worried? The fact I've got no passport, I'm under um, house arrest. Did, did you was you confident you was going to get back to the UK? Not at all, because I didn't know how much money I had left. That was the key thing. I think I would have been all right living in Vietnam for a bit if I knew the Home Office were going to try and get me back. Um, so my parents are contacting the Home Office to try and get me back. I went to the embassy, which is where they kind of like informally arrested me. Um, and then I was in a cell there for two days. And then they said, right, you can, well, they basically said you need to get an emergency visa. So they granted me like an, a visa extension and said, right, you're going to be under house arrest. You need to stay at this hotel. You need to come here every day and report in to prove that you're still in the country. So I had to do that for two weeks. And then I had to also, I don't know how I'd done this, but I had to find the visa immigration place on the other side of the city. And then you got to go to like three different desks and sign all these papers and give your old passport into someone who like checks it and stuff. And it was an absolute beehive. There were so many people trying to like, um, organised their visas and passports and stuff, but all of them were Vietnamese. I was the only white guy and the only guy there who was over five foot tall, you know. It was pretty weird. Um, so that is the end of part one, a tale from the archives. Join us on episode two. We'll have another tale for you, and hopefully we'll not be as embarrassing as that. Join us again in part two. We'll be discussing the topic of the week, people. <laughs> Welcome back to the Lost Luggage podcast. This is part two, where we'll be discussing our weekly topic. This week, it's all about the people. Between us three, we've been to over 150 countries. So I like to think we're well-equipped to deal with talking about people from all walks of life. So, Mr. William, Mr. Teddy, would you say there's any way you've been where you've just been kind of over overwhelmed by the by the niceness of people? Or have you been where you've just been kind of pleasantly surprised by how nice <laughs> people have been? I think Teddy will agree with me on this. And the most friendly place was Croatia. Yes, one hundred percent. People that you could not have, we could not have asked for more help from the people in Croatia. Literally ten minutes in, after the border, uh, <laughs> we uh, got a flat tire. Guy came and helped us. Uh, guys came over from the um, from the petrol station to fix the wheel. It took a long time, but it was good. Then when our fuel filler cap broke, this guy spent about an hour of his day drilling through it to get it open. Um, and then when our batteries went, we got a mechanic out on a Sunday morning, about eight o'clock in the morning, in about 30, 40 minutes. And all of the So I'd go Croatian. But Ollie, I would say the people in Kurdistan were absolutely lovely as well. Yeah, they were, actually. I suppose it depends. So me, probably a bit of backstory. Me and Will went backpacking in Iraq about six months ago. I know odd and potentially we'll, we'll we'll do that as another story another time but just on the people um we were by a family uh for a massive meal uh the taxi driver took us back to his house for like cups of tea and stuff it was it was really invigorating and just on that point as well i went i drove i drove through Iran a couple of years back uh and um we had, we had some friends with us who broke down on the side of the road and this guy pulled pulled up in his truck he took a fuel pipe off his own car and attached it to my friend's car, and just out out of a good gesture, it was just it was remarkable. You would never get that in England. No, and I, I think I found that as well. Um, just doing the the uh, the taxi that we've just done is even when somebody kind of didn't have the answer straight away, they never really 
give up. They they would they would spend half an hour, an hour trying to help and find out. And and even if you couldn't speak their language and you were trying to communicate through broken language, um, they, they don't give up and they just try and get you to a point where at least you're moving. And it's just fantastic to see. And sometimes when you sat at home, you forget that um, there are genuinely so many nice people out there who just want to help you and just, you know, there are kind people still there sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's very true. Cause, but again, a little bit of backstory. So me, me Will and Teddy and uh, our friend of ours, Dingo Darren, um, we, we drove a taxi. We tried and we didn't because of the coronavirus in the end. Um, but as we drove into Croatia, we got a flat tyre. And remember, we didn't have the right-sized... Um, what's it called um uh spanner spanner yeah like yeah. spanner to get the we, we got a flat tire and we didn't have the right size spanner to get the um the nuts off and a guy came over and he broke his own spanner absolutely snapped it in <laughs> half trying to trying to get our nuts off not those kind of nuts and then the nuts were done on so tight it's like thanos had literally <laughs> tightened them. They were the tightest, rustiest nuts. I mean, I'm amazed that the guys get them off, but they used a WD-40 in the end. There are so um, many sexual innuendos going from my head right now. I, the, the, the funniest thing about that scenario was this guy was a real big guy, and he got his, um, his spanner onto the, the nut, and he was really going for it. And for people who don't know me, I'm probably nine stone piss wet through, and he's really giving it his everything. He just looks up at me and goes, go on. As if I'm now going to be able to jump in it the same as what you did and stand a chance. And like I still play yeah. that image back in my own head thinking, what was he what thinking? What a mug. What yeah. a mug. <laughs> so pretty much we got Croatia up there for like the nicest people. That's, that's, that's interesting. And obviously a lot of the Middle East by the sounds of it as well. Interesting. <laughs> what are the worst? Have you, ever, have, you ever been, have you ever been somewhere and you thought you had expectations of everyone being quite nice and in, in a chipper mood and you've got there and they've been a bit, I don't know, a bit miserable and just unwilling to help and just, just, Awful people. Other than the UK. The UK's exactly. <laughs> um, big time. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Hong really? Kong, definitely, yeah. They, um, it wasn't miserableness. Not not too much miserableness, but rudeness was the worst part. A lot of people would cut in line in front of you all the time. People would push past you uh, on the MRT. Um, people so would you like... would have thought being a British colony that they'd have a good queuing system. Yeah, I know exactly. That's why I had that expectation. But um, you know, pe- people as well would like stare at you while you eat. They just were a little bit. It was a little. Bit, it was. <laughs> to be fair, it was you. Will I probably would have stared at you if I didn't know. You. Yeah, I mean, I was... that weird looking idiot. <laughs> Thanks, man. Good. To- <laughs> <laughs> Good ride. Welcome back on the podcast. Oh, fair play. <laughs> yeah, how about uh, Teddy? How about yourself? Uh, there's not really been anywhere. I-, I think there's been certain places where I've had incredibly high expectations and then when I've got there it hasn't been what I thought and there's been places where I've not really thought there's going to be much to this and then when I've got there it's blown me away um yeah like when I when I went to France a lot of people said that the, the French are really rude but again I've never had a bad a bad trip in uh, in France I absolutely love the place and um Myanmar um was a country I never really wanted to go to. And I went off a recommendation of somebody right. that comes to a hostel and I went and it just blew me away, but I turned up with no knowledge of the country. And yeah, sometimes it's probably the best way is go with no expectation because sometimes you can hype a place up too much. And sometimes you don't know anything about a place and you turn up and the people are just amazing. But yeah, um, yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Actually, I think any advice, my- 
any advice I'd give to someone is exactly what you said to kind of go in with no expectations and then you're never going to be too disappointed. Mm. What about you? On no, definitely. Place? Where's the uh, is most disappointed you've been with the uh, people? Me? Yeah. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, most disappointed. You've probably got a lot there of are, choice. I can't think. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to go to quite a few places, but uh, I can't think of anywhere off the top of my head where I got really annoyed or pissed off people like even when I, I got stuck in Russia a couple of times and even then um, people um, no, I, again I, I, I don't want to slag off the UK too much but whenever I come back here because I spend a lot of time abroad the selfishness and the unwilling to just kind of have a normal conversation or a chat or it just does kind of feel like everyone's in it for themselves and they don't really, they've made their friends that unwilling to make other friends. I, you know, it's like um, Dingo yeah. Darren was saying not too long ago, like, Oh, I find it a lot more difficult to have friends or make new friends. Now I'm in my thirties or whatever else. But if you go to any other country, that is such bullshit. It's just, it just doesn't happen. I lived in Vietnam for two years and make a new friend every day over there. It's, it's yep. not just because you're white, but they do with each other as well. You get introduced to different friendship groups. And I know like the rate of suicide and I don't mental health illness is going rising up and up and up in the UK considerably more than anywhere else in Europe at the moment. Maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know. I don't want to get too heavy, but um, and I know I that, said I wouldn't say the UK, but I'm going to, ha- I'm going to have to say the UK. And just sort of going back to that point, you just said about making new friends. I just want to say, I, I my, the, first time I went away was um, solo. I went with nobody. And when you tell people back home, I- I'm doing a-, a solo backpacking and they say, oh, you're not going with anybody. And you go, no, just by myself. And they, they inject this fear into you that you're going alone. You're going to be alone. And the minute you get into a hostel, you make a friend and then you may spend a week, 10 days or even longer. And you just, them, them are the people you keep in contact with for so long. I, I mean, a lot of the, people i'm still friends with back home now are pretty much everyone i've met while traveling um oh, and like you this... say it's so easy to make a new friend now but if you were just to stay in manchester the likelihood of me making a new friend now is a lot more difficult and that yeah is... maybe yeah well the guy i mean I'm... the guy i roomed with in uh melbourne uh mohammed if you're listening shout out to you i literally hung out with him for what two weeks and i texted him pretty much every other day and it's like two years ago that I went to Australia. So you, you bond with people more because you kind of see each other at their worst, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're sort of traveling and you're drinking all the time, you know, it's just, it, you meet yeah, for sure. a different kind of friendship you get with people. Well, I think it was because they're traveling as well. You've probably got something in common already is that you're kind of a bit more outgoing, a bit more of an extrovert and more likely to kind of go in, go in dive in headfirst into a situation that's a bit unknown. I mean, a prime example is us free. I met yes. Teddy um, before I met Will on two separate occasions in Vietnam. And then you two met each other for the first time maybe less than a month ago. So it's... Uh... And Will does not stop texting me, let me tell you. Every yeah. night, every month. It's just hey, relentless. Don't think for you only, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, else can we say, what else can we say about people? Have you ever met any like, real weirdos? you got any like, dodgy situations? Yeah, a few. Um, yeah, hostels are, are great places, but they're also great places for a lot of weirdos. Uh, yeah, so just uh, I worked uh, in a bar in Vietnam, in uh, Thailand even, 
and um yeah I've, I've met a bunch of weirdos in my in my time it's it's definitely is full of them but i think for the one you meet there's a hundred great people yeah have you met anybody that's in, in top of your mind there that's a little bit a little bit out there um out there. well funny you should say obviously i worked out in vietnam for a while and i met all kinds of travelers and from every every country you can imagine and the worst ones were always from the uk again i'm slagging off the uk i do love the uk i'm very privileged to be brought up in the, the countryside with all these beaches and devon and stuff but the kind of the people who i i know i use instagram a lot but the people who are kind of obsessed with it who are having a miserable time but they'll put on instagram they're having the best time of their life those kind of like fake kind of uh, like young 20 year olds who are kind of using daddy's money to go off traveling and they're kind of a bit i don't know spoil a bit selfish and kind of see themselves in a higher tier to everyone else you know what i mean would you not get like americans like that and like canadians and or was it just us yeah yeah occasionally but i found them a bit more outgoing and it, with the canadians and americans a lot less of the, you know they're, they're not as well traveled as maybe people in europe because obviously Europe's all bunched together, it's easy to travel around. And if you're flying from America or Canada, it's a lot more difficult, obviously. Yeah. Um, so they're always a bit more intrigued and a bit more kind of like asking a bit, a lot more questions and kind of just we're, we're, everything was new to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, as fellow travellers go, you know, ninety-five percent of people I've met are awesome. I can stay in contact with, and I've been travelling with again, uh, worked with again, etc., uh, etc. Et There's one person in particular who, to this day, I have not gone to not gone to Nando's because of this person. And if you're listening, I can't believe I, you've named him. <laughs> I haven't named them yet, but I will. Actually, I will name. But I'll name them how they would want to be named. So this person was called Kimberly. You were not allowed to call them. You were you were not allowed to call them Kim. If you call them Kim, you get told off. This, which is just ridiculous. That's we'll not right. say so. And uh, I know. <laughs> in fact, we're going to refer to her as Kim every time, just in case yeah. she is listening. It will royally fuck her off. So I would like to say, "Hello, Kim." Uh, <laughs> hey, Kim. All right, Kim, Thank how are you doing? Put it this way, put it this way. So she, so she worked high up in Nando's in the, in the chain of command. So again, she was one of these people who saw herself on a, on a higher level to the to the normal person, which straight away, not in the good books. And then when you when you insist people call you Kimberly rather than Kim, you're kind of like, well, who do you think you are? Um, anyway, I had a face like a slapped ass the whole trip around Vietnam. I was taking this group around Vietnam. Um, and yeah, it was very, very unpleasant but this is where this is okay. This will sum up exactly what kind of person she was. So we had another guy on a trip called Simon, absolute legend, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Now Simon is a professional and heavyweight boxer, built like a brick shit house, absolutely huge. He's also got type one diabetes and has to inject himself with an insulin pen. Now he'd done this um, outside a restaurant, and um, Kimberly or Kim saw it. Kim Jong Il. And uh, <laughs> and Kim, Kim saw Simon uh, inject himself in his pen and took Simon to one side. Bear in mind, she was probably five foot four. Simon's six foot two, built massively. And uh, he said, she she said to him, "Oh, I'd really appreciate that if you didn't do that around me." Jesus Christ! Jesus! I, I know. And he was he was just like, 
I kind of need it to kind of like live. You know what I mean? So that's that's an insight of the kind of person she was and just really deeply unpleasant. Fortunately, there's not too many of them. And put it this way, other people on that trip wrote to the head office at Nando's and complained about her. So there's a lot oh, of people who there's a lot of people who've boycotted Nando's because of her. But that's how much of an evil cessed on humanity she was. And oh. if I was Simon, if I was a heavyweight boxer, I would have crushed her head like a walnut. <laughs> Probably good that you're not I, I, wouldn't, a I, I wouldn't Yeah, I wouldn't even even entertain the conversation. How oh, dare you tell me that I'm not allowed to live and inject myself with insulin? I would have given this her isn't a an option, love. This is this isn't I don't want to do this. I, mean, I, I, must, I have to. Exactly well that's exactly what he said. And I must stress, I'm not advocating violence towards women, but this particular woman was she was an alien. She doesn't even signify human species. <laughs> Uh, who would have thought in the first podcast Ollie would have to say the sentence, I'm not justifying violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I could ju- just see myself in a courtroom <laughs> explaining <laughs> my actions. I, I, and Kim, if you are listening, please put all complaints to oliver.jake.com. Luckily, that's not my email. But um, yeah, you know what? You don't want to I mean, I, I really, I really didn't want to get into an angry rant on the first episode, but it's happened. Anyway, <laughs> what we talk about people, right? <laughs> yep. People, 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 people. So um, let's talk about the locals then. Have you, have, have you any weird situation with uh, local people? Um, uh, no, again, just generosity stories. Really, um, like I, there was a time in Cambodia where I was walking home. And um, I was really hungry, and I'd seen this woman with a with a big walkout cooking rice, and just with a bit of tongue in cheek, I said, "Oh, is that my bowl?" And and then from there, then she sat us all down, and we had to to sit down, and she gave us beer, and um, we ate some food, we ate this this rice dish, and we were sort of telling her where we travelled to and what we was doing, and in the end, I just sort of went into my pocket and gave probably the equivalent to seven pounds, and she started crying because that was the oh um, really what would pay for her shopping for a week. And I just thought seven pound and she, she wasn't a restaurant or anything. She, she sat us down and fed us and give us beer. And, and we, we had a fantastic night for the price of seven pound. And it meant so much to her and that she did it. She was going to do it for free. Wow. Um, and I just think they're only experiences you can get through throwing yourself out there and maybe being a bit cheeky like myself. That'll uh, <laughs> you a bit of a meal. Especially in Cambodia, that country's been through a hell of a lot of stuff in the last 30, 40 years. Like, um, yeah, I bet that meant a lot. Yeah, so can you think of any uh, weird occupations you've seen in, in, in other, other countries? Um, in Japan, I don't know if there's like a proper name for it, but you know those people you get in some countries where the police are sort of directing the traffic around and they sort of blow a whistle and point that way and you go that way and like directing the traffic. In Tokyo, traffic they officer. have traffic officer. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, in Tokyo, they've got bloody hundreds of them. And the most fantastic, like most adorable. They've got amazing little uniforms and it's like I think there was a motorbike crash when I was in Yokohama and within about 20 seconds there about must have been about 15 of these like traffic officers just standing all around it and they're just the most helpful people they'll help you with directions they'll help you with everything they just I love them if any uh, Japanese traffic directors in the chat I love you (laughs) back to you in the chat of course I'm I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to the um 
So you know how I like my crazy shirts. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the the the, the, the if you go to Hoi An, it's probably one of the in the, in Vietnam, it's probably one of the cheapest places to get tailor made suits and tailor made clothing. So I used to go there every two weeks, get a brand new shirt. And those ladies, you will not find harder working people in the world. If you go in on the Friday and get measured up, they'll have a suit for you Saturday morning. It's absolutely incredible. Mm. Did you ever get a suit made? You know what? I didn't. Um, I was kind of a bit gutted because I kind of left um, somewhat abruptly. That uh, I didn't really have a chance to. But I'll, I'll definitely go back one day and get get a, get a, get, a, get many a suit. Can I just say the shirt that I got made was is still my favourite shirt. It's absolutely fantastic. The material is great. The fit's amazing. But yeah, <laughs> the, the the shirts you can get, the materials. I mean, Ollie, you've got the the biggest and best collection of. It's embarrassing to say shit shirts because they're not shit. But the thing is that you've got to, to go you've got to have the confidence to pull them off, and I don't think I have that because obviously I've got a radio voice and a radio face. So um, I've got to, I've got to wear <laughs> I've got to wear shit shirts to kind of uh, make, well do something, give me make something to. Oh, it's very true. Um, another shower. I was very lucky enough when I was seventeen. I was very very lucky to um, stay with an Amazonian tribal community in Ecuador. And again, the nicest people, and they they just don't see anyone from the Western or Western world or the or a white person at all. And it was that was really incredible, and they were really nice. But they somehow knew how to play football, and they had this football pitch that was made out of like bamboo and stuff. And they um, we played a football match against them, and they were like wearing gardening gloves instead of goalkeeping gloves, and and they've put the ball in like an ant's nest or a termite's nest just so we wouldn't touch it. It was quite funny. Uh, but yeah, learning learning how to live in the jungle was absolutely incredible and those people have got it harsh particularly at the moment with all the uh, political rights and stuff going on in south america which i'm just going to say is probably due to trump and these negotiations but there we are it, that is what it is so that's it for part two we've talked a fair amount about people suggest a topic for next week on our instagram and uh, we'll talk about that maybe maybe hostels came up we had fights come up um, and uh, maybe odd encounters of people as well. So if you're a fan of the number three and the word part, uh, you're going to really enjoy part three. Join us then. Welcome back to the Lost Luggage podcast and you join us in part three and as always in part three, we invite you, the audience members, to share your funny stories of travel with us. This time we have a message, or rather a story, from uh, one Liam Grindle. Um, and of course, if you do want to send us in a story for next week, all you've got to do is contact us on Instagram on the On The Run Adventures page or email ontherun.adventuresltd at gmail.com. Anyway, Liam Grindle's story this week, um, it's about uh, his first experience traveling by himself. He's titled it, When My Phone Got Further Than I Did. So what I'm going to do is going to, read this out and we'll see if we could have helped Liam if we were if we were we were, we were there with him or uh, what we were doing in our, in our situation so here we go Liam Grindle's traveling mistakes my phone went further than I did so I finally got to Birmingham airport after a heavy night out that is your first mistake heavy night out before you're leaving no never ever ever I've never missed a flight and I'm proud of that do not drink before you about to get on the flight drink on the flight not before it Agree, chaps? No, well, I'm my dad's son, and let me tell you, going anywhere as kids, if somebody said, drop me off at five, I was there at half four, so I've never yeah. been late to anything. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
So uh, he, he, he continues, I couldn't wait to get on the plane to go to sleep as it was my first time travelling alone. However, it was about time for me to stand on my own two feet and think for myself. So up to this point, he wasn't thinking for himself? Yeah. Was, Is that was what he's suggesting? He suggest- was he controlled by some sort of... It- I'm, I'm sure, I'm, sure I'm, I'm joking, Liam. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you're a, a, sta- a stood-up fellow. He continues, I finally got on the plane to land in Delhi Airport to transfer to... Unfortunately, I had to get off transfer. Okay. After a few GNTs, is he an alcoholic? He's a good drinker. Is it Liam's actually? He's a good friend of mine, and um, he uh, he likes a good time, definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. So after a few GNTs to get me to sleep, I woke up, and when I woke up, the plane was landing. I was so disoriented and confused. He didn't. I didn't know what the next thing I needed to do was. Therefore, I stayed on the plane being refuelled. I asked myself, do I stay on the plane or do I come back later? Now, that really confuses me. It's like he's got the plane confused with a bus when the bus pulls up at a service station. Mm, the, the, plane doesn't, the plane doesn't go, the pilot doesn't go, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to land here. We need to put some more diesel in it. Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I kind of get where he's going with this, though, because I remember my first um, long-haul flight with a connection and I remember being like a bit worried inside thinking, you know, do I get off? Is it going to be far? Say if I have to change uh, terminals or, and I kind of get the naivety of, uh, of what he's kind of thinking here. But, again, yeah, but surely you would ask someone, you wouldn't just like assume. Yeah. I know it's his first time traveling, but even in that case, if I didn't, if it was a choice between stuck in Delhi and getting to Thailand, I'd be asking everyone in sight. I think that was his tactic on the plane. If I sit here, (laughs) I know I'm not going in the wrong direction. He's got the same tactic with me when I speak to women (laughs) for a while. uh, (laughs) Anyway, anyway, uh, so where where we get? Yeah, so he's he's stuck on the he's sat on the plane. um, He doesn't know where to stay on it or go. We should insert the clash. Should I stay or should I go now? Uh, anyway, when everyone was leaving and only a handful of people stayed on the plane, I'm assuming those handful of flight attendants. Uh, and pilot. Uh, I, a pilot. It's like, yeah, it's funny, it's just me on this plane. I'm a pilot. And if you I'm, can, a pilot <laughs> I'm sure I should be doing something. Uh, anyway, uh, I convinced myself I've done the right thing and, and to stay on the plane. There were six people left on the plane and the air hostesses was, were cleaning. At this point, the plane doors uh, shut and the woman rushed over to me demanding to see my flight tickets. My tickets. Whilst thinking, I'm going to be okay. The air hostess, her face dropped and she rushed over, rushed over to the phone. She called the airport authorities. They opened the doors and she ordered me a lift to get my next departure. <laughs> I love the way he's phrased that. Ordered him a lift. So he's realised mm. he's not on the right plane and he has to get off. He's like, she ordered me a lift. <laughs> what she get our phone out there's an uber just on the fucking runway <laughs> airports are probably like that you know they just they can just call an uber and it's there yeah yeah, yeah. i just imagine it'd be funny if you got like a lift in a fire truck or like the refueling rig that would be legendary anyway we continue so he's he's, he's finally realized he's got to get off the plane uh, at this point i started panicking and i was grabbing all my belongings with me and forgetting to check that i had everything and jumped up into the taxi cart to get to the next place Unfortunately, I didn't know at the time that I'd left my phone behind with all my accommodation details. 
and travelling documents on the plane. So he's left everything on the plane. Jesus. So, oh, I don't know what surely, I would do, you know. But how did he get onto the Thailand if he left everything? He must have had his tickets with him. He must have had his ticket. I think that was the only thing he still had was the, the ticket that the uh, the air hostess has given back. So, do you, do you not do, do you, I don't know if you guys do, but do you guys do the panic pack down with your phone wallet keys? Oh, yes. keys? Especially getting off a plane. Yeah, 100%. Sure, that's like the... the I could the, never the, leave Yeah, I don't know how he's done. I, I can't say I've I've nearly went ape shit at an air hostess once because she moved my bag and I couldn't find it for a while. But uh, other than that, I've always, you know, I, I knew I was missing it kind of thing. See, you I guys? If, if if my sort of bag goes above where I sit and they'll say, oh, can I move that somewhere else on the plane? And then they take my bag. I'm extremely paranoid. And there's nothing in my bag, by the way. There's just absolutely nothing in that I won't mind losing. <laughs> it's completely <laughs> empty. You might as well roll it yeah, up and put it under the seat. But, but you, <laughs> I get panicking. I think, oh, well, where are you taking it? I can't see it anymore. And does anybody else get that? Or is that, am I just yeah, weird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I hate when you get. I used to when I was living in Dublin. I used to get. I used to have to fly over once a week to London for like meetings and stuff. And I was always on the Ryanair or some other small crappy. And it's when they like make you put stuff under the seat. And I was like, I've barely got enough leg room, and now you're taking up all my leg room space because you're making me put my bag down there. Oh, that really annoys me. Mm. Sorry, just to diverse off this. I know we're still on this, but going through security at an airport as well. Now, I don't do drugs and I don't have anything in my bag that I shouldn't have. But the minute I put my bag through the scanner and then they look up at me, I think, oh, they found cocaine. And I've never had cocaine ever. But there's a little thing inside of me that goes, they've definitely found it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And do. I've never done it in my life. And it's just like little things you panic about for no, no reason. <laughs> maybe. Airport just on edge. Hundreds. Maybe, maybe next for part two should be about airports. 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah that'd be good. Yeah, I've got some stories. Anyway, um, so we'll continue. Um, so he's, he, he's left stuff on the previous plane. He's on his way to uh, get on the new plane. Um, I thought to myself, and he's put this in, uh, in brackets with an exclamation mark, he's put OMG. Um, <laughs> I've messed this up already. I haven't even got to Bangkok yet. However, it's like, I don't think he justifies himself. He can't justify himself with the word well, I know I've messed up my entire life up until now, but however, I made it in time for the next flight. The only reason you made it in time for the next flight was because the lady called you a taxi. So yeah. he's taking a bit—he's taking a bit too much credit for a fuck up he ultimately made. Coming <laughs> <in> hot now, <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, I, you know I'm slightly uh, OCD. That's that's it. It's like, <laughs> I mean, no offense to you, Liam. I put myself in your situation and. When I see people do things that they do it in a way I wouldn't do, that for some reason just really annoys me. It always has. I know it's wrong of me, but um, it just kind of grinds me a bit. Anyway, however, I did make it in time for my next flight. Finally got to a seat to relax and calm myself down. This is when I checked my belongings. This is when I realised I have left my phone behind on the last flight. Tut, tut, tut. It's making my palm wet just hearing that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just... Don't know what I'd do. What did he do with his phone? Do you not keep it in your pocket? Yeah. Or did I, it just... On, I just um, always got my hand on it, just checking it was there, especially when I'm travelling. Always. Yeah, no, I, I just... Like, you don't leave it on the seat next to you, do you? That's like... And I don't know. don't know. Maybe it fell out of his pocket, to be fair. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Anyway, he continues. I laugh and cry to myself. 
how am I going to survive this trip when I've messed up already? This really stressful. You haven't even got to Bangkok yet. You <laughs> <laughs> just left the airport. Uh, this really stressed me out. And the only thing I could do, definitely an alcoholic, is have a few more drinks and a few more gin and tonics. Yeah, well, that's going to help. What's he going to leave behind now? His personality. Jesus. <laughs> right. The flight was a very long and tedious one, I must admit. Had a few drinks. Mentioned drinks for like <laughs> third time in the same paragraph. Bloody hell. Liam, I can't defend you anymore, pal. Like, we're going to have to sit down uh, and have some words. The thing is, he, the thing is I, I, I haven't really edited this in any way. I, he, he's, he's written this himself. He's dug his own grave. Uh, when I landed in Bangkok, got all my bags and found the taxi. Lucky, my taxi driver found the hostel. Well, that's, I wouldn't say that's lucky. I'd say that's part of his job. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. The taxi that's driver a, went to the place to told him to go to. Yeah. <laughs> lucky, my taxi driver found the hostel I was staying in, and it all worked out fine in the end. Well, you're down on a phone, so it didn't. Um, <laughs> what a way to start travelling my trip. And then he ends, he ends the story with, the best learning curve I ever had. <laughs> Remember to check your belongings when leaving a plane for a transfer lesson oh that's good so um, i mean credit where it's due thank you very much liam grindle for sending us in that story um i know we had a bit of a pop here but um it's all it's all in good fun um yeah thank you very much for that we'll be joining you in part four where teddy and will will be going head to head in a quiz oh Welcome back to the Lost Luggage Podcast. This is part four, and this is where we do the quiz. Um, this week, it'll be Teddy against William, and the quiz is going to go something a bit like this. I will explain the rules. You boys have not heard this before, so they're just as much in the blue as you guys at home, and you can play along at home as well. There's no prizes, but you might as well have something to do in this uh, quarantined time. So let, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to start off with William, mm-hmm. and without hesitating and without pausing for too long, I want both of you to go back and forth with a country beginning with the letter A. I'm okay. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna do best of three. So we'll do uh, A's, then we'll go on to another letter, and then another letter after that. So uh, the winner will get onto the lost luggage scoreboard for having one win, and then uh, next week it will probably be me against someone, and so on and so forth. Until the end of the series, where we'll give the lost luggage podcast trophy. To one of us three. A country beginning with A. No hesitating, no pausing. Go. Sound good? I'm a bit nervous. Let's crack on with it. You'll be fine. We'll be be fine. So we're (laughs) going to start with William. So Will, three, two, one. And then Teddy after Will. Okay, Albania. Australia. Uh, Algeria. Austria. Um... Mate, 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 mate. William, we're going to have to cut you off there. So, Teddy, good stuff. You've uh, oh, done very well. You could have, you, you could have had Austria. I thought someone was going to say that. After I said Australia. Austria. I did. That's, that's the, 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 you I, said Austria. I thought it was Austria, and it was in my mind. And as soon as he said one, I was like, Austria. Straight in there. Angola, you could have had. Yeah. Azerbaijan, Armenia. Uh, Why don't I play this game? <laughs> okay, so it's 1 0. It's 1 0 to Teddy. Um, so William started last time. Teddy, you're going to start this time, and the letter is going to be K. <clears throat> K. Yes. Here. Um, right. 
start now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We'll let you. We'll let you start. Okay. 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 Uh, okay Kazakhstan. Uh, Kenya. Beep, 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 beep. Great, great. <laughs> Bloody hell. That was I a had one in my mouth. head. Sorry, mate. You could have had Kyrgyzstan, Kuwait, um, some other place. I don't know. I think that's probably all you could have had. K was a difficult letter. Anyway, so it's one all, one, one, one all. So this is the deciding round. Uh, William, you're going to start once again. And the letter is going to be B. B. Uh, Bulgaria. Uh, Bolivia. Um, Burkina Faso. Brazil. That's random. What do you say? Bulgaria. They said Bulgaria. Uh, Belarus. Um, Belize. Bangladesh. Oh, Oh, good. Uh, Bahrain. Oh. Bosnia. Did you say Bosnia? No, you didn't. Good shout. Uh, Belgium. Belgium. Oh. I've lost what we've said. Um... <laughs> Just say something. Three, two, one. Barbados. Oh, good shout. Just in time. Oh, uh, Botswana. Oh, even better. Five, four, three, two, Don't one. Don't me. And uh, now Williams, Williams won it. Well done. That was an absolutely yeah. intense battle for the letter B. And the winner this week, and of the first ever episode, and the first quiz, is Mr. William Peachy. Well done, sir. <laughs> Let's chop it up. Um, that's the end of the quiz, which means it's pretty much the end of the show. Um, so... Let's conclude what has been a, quite an interesting first episode, shall we not say. We're sorry for ranting on about Kim, and we're sorry for destroying uh, Liam's life. Um, but hopefully you've had a good time and had a, good, a bit of a good chat as well. Uh, so please join us again next time. So let's pack our bags. Let's wrap it up. Thank you for downloading and listening. Please leave five-star reviews only. Tell everyone from your grand to your dog to listen to us. Follow us on On The Run Adventures on Instagram. We release an episode every Thursday at 12 check us out on Instagram for all the updates until then many thanks to Teddy Simpson goodbye goodbye and many thanks to Mr. William Peachy goodbye goodbye stay sexy <laughs> why would you say that and <laughs> many thanks for listening bye bye from me Mr. Oliver Jenks see you next time <laughs>